Good morning, Mr. Phelps. It's fake drama. Don't say it's a fine morning or I'll shoot you. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're back to television again and we're back to one of my favorite topics, TV tropes. And we're also combining that with some more TV theme songs. I always like to offset the tropes with some theme songs. You might not like the tropes, but I figure you like the theme songs. And if you don't like the theme songs, maybe you like the tropes. So I try to give you both. As a storyteller and a TV fan, I'm really, really familiar with television writing. I like to think of myself as some kind of a connoisseur. I can pick out the good shows. I can pick out the bad shows. Yes, I'm a snobbish TV watcher. What can I tell you? I like TV. I like to watch it. I enjoy it if it's done well. And I really get tired of it if it's not done well. And I've talked about TV tropes a lot because I've watched so much TV and I love TV. And I know you probably do too. So I point these things out because it helps me get it off my chest. And maybe it helps you appreciate certain shows and understand why you don't like certain shows because of what they do. They overuse tropes. Tropes, in case you don't remember, are overused storytelling devices. The writers always fall back on them. It's just a go-to thing. Some of them are major plot devices. Some are minor things that happen, but they always happen and they're overused to the point of being aggravating. For instance, one of my favorite examples, the hero pulls up in front of the building he's going to, finds a parking spot right out front. Never has to feed a meter. Never has to go around the block looking for a spot. The spot's right there. Happens all the time. And I hate it. Because that never happens in real life. So I've got some tropes for you. We're going to go over some more of those. I don't think we're repeating any because there are just so many to choose from. And then in the second half, I've got some more TV theme songs for you. This week, we're going with some rather obscure TV theme songs. Some of them I don't know that well. I know the shows. I know of them. A couple of them just stick in my head, even though I never really watched the show. It was a show my mom watched or a show my dad watched. And I remember the theme song. But these are kind of obscure, so I wanted to share them with you, kind of to illustrate a point. Every show, when I was growing up, had a theme song. It wasn't just six notes and the credits, like so many shows are these days. Every show had a TV theme song that tried to capture the spirit of the show. And so the songs that I'm going to play for you today capture the spirit of the show that they were intended for, and you can probably get that feeling knowing nothing about the show. But we'll get to that in the second part. First up, let's start with some tropes. Now, since I've been working remotely for a while now, thanks to COVID, I have the TV on in the background quite a bit, and so I have some channels that I watch that show nothing but old shows. Whether it's Antenna TV or MeTV, Decades, they all have different shows from different periods of time. And I kind of like to have it on in the background, but as a result, I'm running old sitcoms, I'm running old detective shows, I'm running old doctor shows, you know, everything from Emergency to Mannix to I Dream of Genie to Bewitched to Cheers, everything. I've seen it all. Not that I didn't see it before, but I'm really seeing it again over and over again. And I've picked up on some tropes that I guess I was aware of, but I never really thought about until I saw them repeated so many times. For instance... How many times do we see the lead character in a life-threatening situation? Mannix is unconscious on a bed, and the villain is approaching with an injection of some deadly poison. Castle is in a bed with a life-threatening illness. Officer Malloy has a car wreck and is hanging on a cliff, ready to die. Or it could be Hutch. Same thing happened to him. 
In Starsky and Hutch, Hutch was clinging to life at one point. But you know what? We know the main character isn't dying. The show is called Mannix. Mannix ain't dying. Hutch isn't dying. Officer Malloy isn't dying. Castle is not dying. The show's named for Castle. He's not going anywhere. So I'm not really a big fan of the life-threatening situation for the main character. You're trying to elicit a response from me, and I don't appreciate it. And you're not going to get that response because I know Mannix is not dying. To contrast, Columbo was never in a life-threatening situation. Columbo went in, did his detective thing, solved the crime, left. That was the show. You can make the mystery as tricky as you want it. I'll follow along. Put in as many twists and turns as you want. I'll try to keep up. You don't have to have Columbo in a life-threatening situation to make the show enjoyable. That show was on for like 20 years. Everybody enjoyed Columbo, and not once was he in a life-threatening situation. He just solved the mystery. Along these same lines is when they try to take the main character out by cutting the break lines. We don't get too many break line cuttings these days, but if you go back to the 60s and the 70s and even into the 80s, if the bad guys wanted to take the good guy out, somebody would go out and cut the break lines. Happens in Mannix, happens in Starsky, happens in Rockford. The break lines get cut, and our hero is careening down the road at a high rate of speed, sure to go off a cliff or smash into somebody else. Except we know that's not going to happen. They might get into an accident, maybe. They might wind up in the hospital in a life-threatening situation, which we know they'll recover from because it's their show. But the brake lines, brake lines being cut, that was a big thing for the longest time. I'm actually glad people forgot how to cut brake lines because it makes no sense. Anybody who drives a car should know that you have an emergency brake, which will lock up the rear brake. So you have a gear shift. So if you're going down the hill at 95 miles an hour, here's a thought, downshift. Even with an automatic transmission, you can put it into first. And by the way, if you didn't know that, there's your tip. If you're ever in a car with the brake lines cut, downshift. Put it into a lower gear, slow the car that way, and steer for an uphill embankment off the side of the road. But what happens in the TV shows? Well, our hero has to heroically navigate this curvy mountain road and somehow survive. So yeah, I'm glad the brake lines have all been reinforced, I guess, so they're no longer cut to kill off the main character. Here's another trope that is in so many TV shows. It's always the man and the woman, the male-female, will-they-or-won't-they relationship thing. I mean, I don't mind romance. In fact, I love romance. But I don't need it in every show. I know for a fact that men and women can be friends and can work together without there being any romantic interest at all. Men and women can be friends. Except on TV. Men and women who work together seem to have to be destined to be together. Castle. It's Castle and Kate Beckett. Moonlighting. Remember that show? David and Maddie. Destined to be together. Cheers. Sam and Diane. Gilmore Girls. Luke and Lorelai. Even Frasier. Niles and Daphne. Why can't a man and a woman just be friends? I don't need fake romantic tension. Either make them lovers or make them friends. Not every relationship evolves into a romantic entanglement. I mean, if you want to have some romance between them, okay. But then go with it. One of the shows that drives me crazy with this is Jag. And they have Harm and Sarah, the two leads. And they have this romantic tension building year after year after year in that show. And it's like you're teasing and you're teasing and you're teasing. And it's just stop it. Either make them be together or make them not be together. It just gets old. Don't get me wrong, I don't mind the natural evolution of a relationship, but when you're manipulating me, 
when you're stretching it out for no good reason except to continue to stretch it out, that's when it becomes annoying. And that's when it becomes a trope that I don't like. So enough with the will they or won't they. Come on now. Either make them be a couple or make them be friends. You know the other one that I'm really getting tired of? The season-ending cliffhanger. Last episode of the season, someone gets shot. A car explodes. An indictment is handed down. The ambulance can't get there in time. Somebody's missing from their car. Whatever it is, that's where they close the season. There was a time when they ended a season with a final episode of the season, which was just like every other episode of the season. Then the show would fold up, stop filming over the summer, start filming again in September. And then when the show started up on Tuesday nights in September, you'd start watching again. Why? Because you liked the show. You didn't need a cliffhanger to bring you back. But now every show has to have a cliffhanger. And the problem with a cliffhanger for an episodic TV show is what if the show doesn't get renewed? Now you've got untold story left on the table. Now how is that fair to your audience? Your show gets canceled, guys lying in the grass, blood gushing from his chest wound, paramedics on the way, we don't know who did it, we don't know why they did it, and the show is canceled. Just wrap up your show. Even if you don't think you're going to get canceled, you don't need to give me a cliffhanger to bring me back if your show is good enough. I remember watching NYPD Blue. There was a couple of cliffhangers, but for the most part, at the end of every season, they just ended the episode. Somebody would be going off on a vacation. Somebody would get reassigned to another precinct. That might be the extent of the cliffhanger. That's it. Okay, end of episode. See you in three months. What's wrong with ending a show that way? So I'm kind of tired of the season-ending cliffhanger. I'm also really tired of the old friend or the old partner who comes back who is always a trusted friend, a trusted confidant. And of course, now they turn on the hero. You can't trust them. They're the one who betrays the hero. Every time somebody shows up in a show these days and they're the old friend, you know you can't trust them. It's been so overused. The next time that the old friend or the trusted partner shows up and is actually somebody who can be trusted, I would love that. The other one that's kind of overused, the estranged father who's a con man or a grifter or someone else who can't be trusted. They did this in Chuck. They did this in Psych. Castle's father was CIA or wasn't he? I don't know. We don't know. He was somebody you couldn't necessarily trust. Guy's been out of your life for all of your life or most of your life and then comes back. Turns out you can't trust him. I mean, yeah, some fathers are dirtbags. I know that. But doesn't mean they're con men. Doesn't mean they're grifters. They just might be a dirtbag. Just show me the dad who's a dirtbag who just didn't feel like hanging out with his kid anymore. Okay, there you go. Here's another thing I've noticed This is usually in an ensemble show. Every group has a dumb one. Someone who's a little slow on the uptake. Joey on Friends. Chrissy on Three's Company. Andy on Parks and Recreation. And Gomer Pyle, who had his own show, but was really dumb on the Andy Griffith show. There's always the dumb one. I mean, I guess it's true that there's always a dumb one in town. Every town has its own village idiot, I suppose. But boy, oh boy, they sure do take up a lot of time on TV shows. There's also some situational tropes that I've kind of gotten tired of over the years. Here's your scene. Person walks into the room, starts talking to the person who's supposed to be in the room. And as soon as you see the person start talking and there's nobody in the room, you know one of three things is true. And it all depends on the genre of the show you're watching. Either the person who they thought they were talking to isn't there at all and they're talking to an empty apartment. Or the person you thought was there isn't there, but the big bad guy is there, ready to confront the hero. Or... The person you thought you were talking to is dead. One of those three scenarios happens whenever somebody walks into a room talking to somebody they think is there. 
The next time that scenario happens and there's actually a person there, I'm probably going to faint because it never happens. Here's another scenario. Hostage situation. Bad guy takes a hostage, has a knife to the throat, a gun at the side, however they're doing it. Bad guy tells the cop, put your gun down or I'll kill him. And the cop always puts the gun down. Like that's real life. But okay, let's pretend it is. The cop puts the gun down because the cop thinks something good is going to happen. You've got an armed hostage taker and you're putting your gun down. How is that going to resolve the situation? I actually saw the counter to this trope in an episode of Rizzoli and Isles where the bad guy was holding somebody hostage and Rizzoli had a peek at the guy's head and he said put the gun down and she just blew him away. I mean, that's what would happen. Nobody puts the gun down in real life. They always just shoot. It's actually refreshing when the show reflects what probably would happen in real life. And speaking of reflecting what happens in real life, the fight scenes in TV shows are just so crazy. You get hit in the head with a bottle, whacked over the back with a folding chair, face smashed into a table, and you get up and you continue fighting. This is a fight scene that's obviously been written by somebody who's never been hit. If you've ever been hit, I mean hard, you don't get up from it and get ready to fight right away. Especially if you've been sucker punched. Heck, if you're working under a counter on a sink and you bang your head on the counter as you stand up, if you do that the wrong way, that'll stun you for a second. There's no way you're getting involved in a fight with that kind of a bell ringer going on in your head. But when you see your hero getting hit, knocked over, tripped, pushed out a window, bumped off the front of a car, and he pops up ready to fight, you lost me. It just doesn't happen that way. You can block a punch, you can dodge a punch, you can take a punch. But once you've had your face smashed against a table two or three times and get hit in the back with a chair, you're probably done for the day. Now, of course, that leads us to the next trope. Suppose that fight goes to the fatal wound. During the fight, the hero's partner is fatally wounded. In TV, you always get to say goodbye. There's always those dying moments that last second, don't let them get away with this. You can do it. There's some words of wisdom at the end. You know, I'd like to think that's true. I'd like to think that you have a chance to say goodbye. But again, once you've been hit over the head with a rock, pushed out the second floor window, and then run over by a semi, you're probably not going to be saying goodbye. I say probably because there's always the EMT. Your emergency medical technician shows up, starts doing CPR, gets that defibrillator going, goes through all the medical procedures they need to bring this guy back to life. But your TV trope is that none of them work. The CPR doesn't work. The defibrillator doesn't work. Unless the EMT also says, don't you die on me. Or maybe, come back to me. Or sometimes, live, damn it. You got to say some magic words to make the CPR work and the defibrillator work. If you don't say the magic words, they just won't work. That's a given. So there's some more TV tropes to add to your collection. If you haven't noticed those by now, you probably won't be able to unsee them now. So you're either welcome or I apologize. Depends on how you feel about tropes. But now I've got some theme songs for you. Now I'm going to bet that most of these are unfamiliar to you. Some of these are a little more obscure. And the shows are not in wide syndication. A couple of them I've never seen in syndication. I'm only including them on the list because I've either heard the theme songs or heard about the shows from either my in-laws or my own parents. But I found the music, and the music is actually kind of good. So I'm going to share that with you now. Now, first up is a show that was a spy show in the 60s. The 60s had a lot of spy shows. Man from Uncle, Mission Impossible. And I've got a couple of the spy show themes in this list today. 
This is the first one. That's the theme from The Girl from Uncle. If you remember the show Man from Uncle, this was a spinoff of that show. Now, this is a show that I heard of, that I have a vague recollection of hearing about from my parents. I've never seen a single episode of it. I do know that it starred Stephanie Powers. You'd recognize her. She's Mrs. Hart in later years. Lots of TV shows. Love Boat every other week, it seemed. But it only lasted one season. But it's a pretty cool theme song, right? Has that spy feel to it. So that's The Girl from Uncle. This next one, I watched this show a few times. It was on in syndication. It was a science fiction-y kind of show. Not Star Trek science fiction, but more down-to-earth science fiction. theme from Land of the Giants. The premise of the show was that a bunch of people were doing a scientific experiment and somehow got transported into a world where they were little tiny people like the size of mice and the giants were just humans in this alternate universe. And I remember seeing the show a few times. It was one of those Saturday afternoon filler shows they showed in syndication. I never really followed the show. I never really got into the show. I mean, they had props so that the little people looked like they were little people, giant pencils. They'd do that double exposure where they'd have a giant cat and it looked like it was stalking the little tiny people. It was a weird little show, but it had good music. This next one is another one of those spy-type shows, although not technically a spy in this one. from It Takes a Thief. The premise of It Takes a Thief is that this convicted cat burglar was pressed into service for the United States government to use his skills to benefit the government. Because that happens every day. That's another show that I heard about, but I never watched. I don't ever remember seeing it in syndication. I just heard about it. I remember my parents talking about it. And looking it up, I see Robert Wagner played the lead. That's Mr. Hart from Heart to Heart. So Mr. Hart and Mrs. Hart had spy shows on back in the 60s. But yeah, the music is pretty good. You get that thiefy kind of feel. This next one is from a relatively obscure 80s show. I mean, I say relatively obscure. I guess I consider it relatively obscure because I was not a huge fan of it. I was aware of it. It was fairly popular, I guess, for some. I never watched a single episode, but I knew the theme song. This is the theme for BJ and the Bear. Yes, there was actually a TV character named BJ. 
This show came out in the 80s. Actually, technically, it came out in 79, but it carried over into the 80s. It tried to take advantage of the CB radio craze. BJ was a trucker. Bear was actually a monkey. Don't ask me. I didn't name the show, and I didn't make it up. But BJ and the bear involved a trucker and his monkey. And he was kind of a freelance trucker who would right wrongs and do good deeds across the country in his job as a freelance trucker? Sure, that's the premise. But it had a good theme song. This next one, a great song that really captures the spirit of the show. You can feel it just from the opening bars. This is the theme from Lois and Clark. Again, a show I've never watched. I'm familiar with it. I mean, it's got Terry Hatcher in it. But I know there were big fans of Lois and Clark. And the theme song really does capture that early Superman kind of vibe. So you gotta love the theme song. Some good music. And as long as we're talking about theme songs that capture the vibe of the show, this one does a good job. to tell you this was a creepy show. All you have to do is listen. This was a creepy show. Do you remember Tales from the Crypt? And this is what I mean about a song capturing the vibe of the show. Mrs. Gamer Dude and I were talking about this the other night. We miss theme songs. I've said this before, but I really believe it. A good theme song really gets you into the vibe of the show. It gets you ready. It gets you hyped. You're ready to watch that show. And that's why I think the TV networks and the streaming services are missing out by not making sure they have really good TV theme songs. All right, the last two songs I have for you, a little less obscure. This is the original theme to the People's Court. Now, when I say the original theme, this is Judge Wapner. When I first watched People's Court, it was Judge Wapner, and it was unique. We have all of the shows now, Judge Judy, you got Divorce Court. People's Court is still around, but they're on their, like, fifth judge. But Judge Wapner was the original, and this is the show that started the concept, and this is the theme song that we all loved. I'm telling you, when People's Court first came out, we were glued to our TVs. It was amazing. And Judge Wapner was that old dude, that get-off-my-lawn dude, that dude who's not taking any guff from anybody. Yeah, whatever your story is. Judge Wapner was just cool. And we love the People's Court. All right, this last song I've included, this was one of my mother's favorite shows. I didn't really watch the show, but I was aware that it was on because my mother loved it. It was on in syndication. She watched it in the afternoons, whatever day it was on. I don't even know when it was on. I want to say the weekends, but I don't know. But the thing that I loved about this show was the theme song. It just was catchy. It was kind of majestic. Kind of classically-ish. Is that a word? It is now. But I loved this theme song, and so I had to include it today. (laughs) 
This is the theme from The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. It's based on an old movie, one of those shows that was based on a movie. The movie was back in the 40s or the 50s, and they made a sitcom of it in the 60s. I don't know if my mother liked the premise, if she liked the ghost. I don't know what it was she loved about this show, but she loved this show. And so she would watch it whenever it was on. I love the music because I love good music. I love things that come together. I love things that sound or like this. And so whenever I think about this song, I think about my mom and her love for this show. But I just think about how good the music is. This was a great song and I loved it. So there you have it, some more TV tropes to consider, and some more TV theme songs to enjoy. As I'm sure you've caught on by now, I love good TV, I hate bad TV, but I'll still watch bad TV. And by watching all the bad TV, I can find the tropes that you can enjoy now too. And I hope the theme songs brought back some memories for you, or maybe inspired you to go look up an old TV show you'd never even heard of. I kind of want to go look up The Girl from UNCLE now. I've always been aware of it, I've just never watched it. I think that one might be available on YouTube. I'm going to go check that out. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you for listening. I can't thank you enough for your continued support, and I really do appreciate it. You guys are the best. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you. (laughs) 